Okay, so when I was in elementary school, we did this thing once every month, I think, and it followed alphabetically, and it was called Show and Tell. Anyone remember Show and Tell? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, you remember Show and Tell. Okay, so Show and Tell, it was always the best day of the week. It fell on a Friday for us, and I will never forget when I got to Show and Tell some of my Pokemon cards, and I was so excited for it, and you may not know it now, you may not know it now, but I was incredibly shy. Like, I had, listen, I had, I had some good cards. I had a reason to brag and a reason to get in front of the class, but I was pretty shy. And so uh, other students would bring other things that they had on, you know, from vacation and different things like that. But what do you do in show and tell? You, you what? You show it. And then you what? You tell it. Very easy, very simple, okay? All right, the sermon's gonna be just as easy today. Okay, it really is. We're talking about supernatural healing. It is gonna be just as simple. So I hope you are ready for that. Um, but I, I say this because uh, it's a simple way to understand the ministry of Jesus. Uh, it's a simple show and tell ministry. He didn't just come to only preach the kingdom of God, but he also demonstrated it. Jesus had a ministry, if you will, of show and tell which often incorporated, yes, supernatural healing. And what's funny is that if you go through the Gospel of Luke, again, we're going to be in chapter 4 for our text today. But up until chapter 4, you will find that Jesus preached zero messages to that point. No parables, no teachings. So what was he up to? Well, one, he was preparing his ministry. Um, but also, up until that point, he healed he cast out unclean spirits, and then he would say, hey, by the way, that's the kingdom of God. That's not me being blasphemistic. That's my interpretation, okay? That he would say, hey, by the way, that's the kingdom of God. He showed it, and then he told it. In this ministry of show and tell, it brings the kingdom of God into our world, and that causes some friction, right? Uh, maybe your experience with praying Again, our topic is supernatural healing. Maybe your experience with that has been plagued by manipulating prayers or unhealthy situations. Or maybe your experience has been next to none, which is a great number of us today, okay, if we're being honest. Maybe you have never prayed for yourself or others or a loved one to be healed in such a supernatural way. Well, you are in good company, okay? Welcome. Uh, we're glad you're here, uh, but we just want to be open today to explore how healing is both biblical and applicable today. And so I want you to put yourself in this story. I will read it. You'll see it on the screen as well. From Luke 4, picking up in verse 38. Imagine that you are there, you're seeing this for yourself. Uh, and he arose, this is Jesus, and he left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Simon, also known as Peter. I heard it. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Come on. Uh, so now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf, and he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. 
Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And the demons also came out of many. They were crying, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Christ. Okay, imagine this is just an average Monday and you were there. You witnessed this for yourself. And maybe, maybe it's in the middle of it and someone comes forward. Perhaps a sweet, kind, small in stature woman. And she says, I feel oppressed, maybe burdened, or New Testament language is demonized. And maybe you see Jesus start to pray for her, lay his hands on her. And out of this sweet, small in stature woman is a guttural and hellish voice screaming, you are the son of God. I don't know about you, that would make me very uncomfortable. Okay, and it maybe I'm just maybe I'm just biased, or or this is all I know. But the more I think about it, the more uneasy I think some of us would be in the ministry of Jesus, because we're like, yeah, I'm out. This is too charismatic. This is too much for me. And so here at our church, we do. We simply believe that healing prayer should be a natural result of a supernatural relationship we have with Christ, and we are invited to participate in that. Uh, there's no indication from the Bible that these things stopped with Jesus or, or the apostles. And so with faith, we pray for such things to still happen today. And so I simply want to make the case, this is all I want to do. I want to make the case that praying for supernatural healing should be part of our faith journey with Christ. Um, now, within supernatural healing, okay, there are usually three responses, and the first response is skepticism, okay? Uh, this is what I think our default is, honestly. If you're here today, you're like, yeah, we're talking about the weird stuff. Ugh. Hey, here you are, okay? Skepticism. Uh, because we want to believe, right, to a certain point, but I would say for most of us, we initially hold skepticism quite close. So maybe we don't want to be let down is why. Maybe we're scared of it. Or maybe we've suffered harm from apparent faith healers who you feel like we're manipulating people. And I think, I can be really honest, I think that's totally understandable. It's understandable. Because also, in addition to that, we live in this age, this present age that is just difficult. Because when you look back in human history, you look back at Genesis, you see the Garden of Eden, how everything was perfect in the Garden of Eden, and then glossing over a lot of time in human history. You go to the ministry of Jesus, and, and you see like what was happening there, and it was miraculous and amazing. And then you read you know, Revelation, and, and you pick up where it says you know, that there will be a new heaven, a new earth, and all of these things will pass away. And so maybe you are here today, and you're like, yeah, listen, that was good back then. And I believe in the promise of the future. But today? I don't know, man. Today? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I have doubts today. 
And so maybe that's just where you are at today. Or maybe you have doubts that even go beyond supernatural healing, some doubts about believing in a good God in the first place. So no matter what, no matter what, to my doubting uh, brothers and, and sisters today, uh, just for a moment, let's, let's talk about this because the Bible actually records a really interesting interaction, okay? Uh, this, there, there's this man and he's seeking Jesus' help and he fell to his knees. He was weeping because his son was suffering from something unexplainable. And this man says this in Mark 9, 24. He says, I believe, help my unbelief. And so maybe you are someone here uh, uh, today and your heart, you, you long to believe, but your mind talks you out of it. Maybe you are here today and, and you, your, your heart just wants so desperately to believe in a good God, but your mind won't let you and, you, and, and, and your mind just rationalizes you out and away from faith. Maybe you want to believe in supernatural healing, but man, I don't know. Or you simply want to believe again that God is good, but you just feel like you're a walking contradiction. And this tug of war is, is happening inside of you with belief and unbelief. And so I, I hear the words of this helpless father, I believe, but help my unbelief. And Jesus' response is super interesting because he doesn't actually try to reason with this man. He doesn't tell him about the second law of thermodynamics. He doesn't then go in about the Kalam cosmological argument. You know, he doesn't meet him in his reason, which I, I'm like, hey, sure, that would make sense. But also, Jesus, he doesn't instruct this man to do or say, this might get me in trouble, or even believe the right thing right then and there. He doesn't do that. What is Jesus' response? Jesus has a guy who says, I want to believe, but I'm full of doubt. Help my unbelief. Jesus, right then, right there, invites the supernatural into the situation where this man's son was seizing and he was demonized. And I really think we can learn something from this because too many of us think our doubts have more to do with our logic in our thinking uh, of the natural world, but I'm not so sure that's true. In this case, I'm, I'm reading this and I'm thinking doubt is supernatural. Doubt in the supernatural has a uniquely supernatural component because I believe help my unbelief is more than just a statement. I think it's a brutally honest prayer. I think this man is being honest and so I think when we begin to rationalize or reason our way into the supernatural or maybe back into faith, it's like something keeps us from making that full leap. It's like something is just holding us back. I think it's because when we approach faith in a supernatural God by natural means of logic or understanding, I think we fail to see. And I think we really wrestle with unbelief and this is true as the disciples, they came back to Jesus later and they're like, hey man, what gives? My, my interpretation of this, hey man, what gives? We prayed for this kid. What was going on? Why couldn't we help him? And it's simple. 
Jesus told them just verses later, Mark 9, 29, he says, this kind can come out only by prayer. This story is echoed in Matthew 17, where some translations actually say through prayer and fasting. So here's my point. I thought we were talking about supernatural healing. Yes, yes, we're we're getting there. Here's my point. Belief in the supernatural comes when we choose to take supernatural steps. Jesus didn't have this man go to the synagogue. He didn't have him take a philosophy course. He didn't have him go read the Torah. He did, Jesus actually didn't preach harder to this man face to face, but instead face to face with a struggling man in the midst of his doubts, crying for help, help my unbelief. Jesus shows him supernatural power, uh, the, the supernatural power of the kingdom of God. And so if you are struggling to believe in supernatural healing, let's take a supernatural step today. If you are struggling to believe in the first place, what if we took a supernatural step today? Because no matter what you've heard, prayer is a supernatural step. It is. Sincere prayer is a supernatural step. Fasting is a supernatural step. We don't like that one. I don't like that one, but it is. If we want to see the supernatural, if we want a supernatural reason to believe, ironically enough, we need to take a supernatural step. So if you are a skeptic about these things today, I mean this. Welcome. Glad you are here. So glad you are here. But let's also embrace that brutally honest prayer. I believe. Help my unbelief. Now, Maybe you're with us today, uh, and that's not really where you're at. Um, maybe, maybe you're not the skeptic. Uh, another response to something like supernatural healing is admiration. Admiration. Uh, you read the Gospels, and you believe that healing and miracles, they were absolutely real. And, and they were great, and they validated the ministry of Jesus. But that's pretty much it. You know, like, like you read it and you're like, man, Jesus, good for you. I believe in those stories. And, and it's awesome to read about what Jesus did. I totally believe it. Or even you may admire stories from today. In fact, you would love to hear more stories from today. Your, your, your faith has increased when people tell you that like, hey, my whole family prayed about the diagnosis and I stand before you healed. Maybe that actually helps you. I think it's a good thing to admire these sorts of stories and these miracles. It's not a bad thing. However, I want to ask, what what are we followers of Christ really called to? Are we called to admire Jesus? Or is there more? Are, Are we called to just say, yeah, Jesus, he was a great moral teacher. He was this, he was that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we called to just admire him? I don't think Jesus wants us to embrace uh, skepticism. And I don't think he wants us to remain only in admiration either. But I believe with my whole heart that Jesus' desire is that instead that we would be imitators. We wouldn't get lost in skepticism and stay there. We wouldn't get lost, ironically, in admiration and stay there but instead that we would see what he did and and want to be 
imitators of what he did. Because I know some well-meaning people who like Jesus, but are super skeptical of everything else. Uh, I believe God wants more for us than just to remain there. I also know some well-meaning religious folk who admire Jesus. They quote Jesus, but they are not followers of Jesus because the call to follow Jesus is also a call to imitation. It's a call to, to imitate him. And this is one of the biggest differences you will find in people of faith. So are you a follower of Jesus or are you just a fan? I think there's a book by some guy from a, in this city who wrote one like that. Are you a follower of Jesus or are you a fan? And, and this is really consistent with what we say, hey, here, here's our vision as a church. This is our vision. As a church, we are uh, practicers. We are practicing the way of Jesus, and we do it together, and we want to do it right here in our city. Now, uh, maybe this will help make sense. Uh, my kids are involved in different sports, and I love watching them practice. Uh, I, I love watching them practice because, one, when I watch them practice, I think, man, where did that ability to listen to an adult come from? Like, they are just... They are receiving critique and not getting angry. That's amazing. Um, one, that's amazing. Two, I simply love seeing them get better. I love seeing my kids uh, grow in confidence and work hard and become a team player. I, I love that. But the coaches, right, they help them practice. The coaches help them imitate good posture, the right swinging motion, the proper mechanics, all of this to get better. Christian, following Jesus takes practice. It just, it just does. And guess what? You will not be so untouchable one day that you get it right all the time, okay? I mean, believe it or not, Tom Brady makes bad throws every now and then, okay? Like, like amen. Oh, here come the Steeler crowd, okay. But it's true, it takes practice. It, it just simply, it takes practice. We don't practice, now listen, we don't practice to earn the salvation that's been given to us, but we are to imitate our Savior. Let's apply this to our own life right now. Rarely will anything in your life improve without practice, without study, without consistency, without showing up without an openness or a humility that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and still grow with God. And I know there are certain Bible teachers out there that you're like, oh, they're so untouchable. They're human too. I'm human, you're human. That's why we say we practice the way of Jesus. That's what we want to do. Now, how does this relate to supernatural healing? Here we go. Hypothetically speaking, if you were to pray for healing in your life, what would you pray for? If you knew it would happen, what would you pray for in your life, in the life of those you love, in the life of your children, in the life of your grandchildren, in the life of your marriage, in the life of, I don't know, whatever. What would you pray for? In the 1940s, the Archbishop of Canterbury, great place, by the way, 
William Temple, he responded to some critics, people who were saying answered prayer was nothing more than coincidence. William Temple said, when I pray, coincidences happen. And when I don't, they don't. Listen, prayer doesn't just change circumstances or relationships, but prayer changes and deeply forms us because prayer, all prayer, it is supernatural and has nothing to do with your performance. It has nothing to do with your performance. I mean, I was encouraging someone new to the faith uh, here recently and, and said, listen, prayer doesn't require some rehearsed list or ritual to be quote unquote right. But prayer is simply communing with our father, talking to him and ultimately leaving the outcome to him. But prayer again, it's not performative. Uh, one evangelist, uh, she put it this way. She said, it's our job to love. It's God's job to heal. Never forget that. It's our job to love no matter the outcome, that's up to God. And so these supernatural prayers do not have to only take place in a church either, but they can, they can happen everywhere. You don't need a pouch of holy water when you go camping or something or you're in line at Walmart, be healed, you know? Those things aren't always necessary. I think of a time where, uh, my wife and I were at a youth retreat, and I was, I was preaching that weekend, and uh, we had a great time. I think it was Bethel Camp, if you recall, and uh, it, was, it was just a great weekend, great students, um, but we went back to our cabin. We were talking later, and uh, she had, Kels had fallen or something. I, I don't quite remember, um, but she literally was limping. She couldn't walk without help, and it was the strangest thing. I freely confess, but this Baptist boy got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I'm just being honest. I was like, I don't mean to be weird. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for your knee right now. And God bless my wife. She said, bring it on. You know, she was, she had all the faith, right? I believe. And I'm like, help my unbelief. And I stand up here. This is, this is a true story. Uh, and I pray, put my hand on her knee and we pray. And she's like, your hand was like so warm. It was like really, really hot. And she stood up and she's walking around like the room and her jaws like this. And, and here's the thing, the skeptical person in here, I hear you because I am kind of you. Oh, come on, it was an adrenaline rush. Come on. That, there's so much more than that, right? Uh, she was fine the rest of the weekend as well. And I saw the pain on her face. I've seen her give birth to three kids. She has a high pain tolerance, okay? And yet she was in pain. And I couldn't believe that. And I was like, well, what is this? Now, there are obviously more types of healing than the physical, uh, some more types of healing. You have, you have spiritual healing because that, that, that is huge, and that's really another sermon for another time in and of itself. Uh, but there's spiritual healing. There's mental or emotional. This is above my pay grade, if you will, uh, whether to discern what's, what's going on inside of somebody. Um, but it's true, it's real, that we are afflicted mentally and we are afflicted emotionally, Okay. Uh, and then, of course, there is physical. And so while that physical healing story is kind of awesome, let's be honest, my wife and I have also prayed through unbelievably tough seasons 
for deep spiritual healing. And God met us there too. We weren't walking around the room with our jaws open, but his spirit met us there and was near and close. In other difficult times, we prayed for literal mental and emotional healing before the goodness of God was with us again. So we get glimpses of heaven, but church, we got to be looking for it. When I pray, coincidences happen. And when I don't, they don't. Supernatural healing, it continues today. And sometimes it doesn't look exactly like how we thought it would. But when I see, when I see injustices corrected, I see that as a glimpse of the kingdom of God. When I see the hungry fed, I see a glimpse of the kingdom of God. When I see people freed from addictions, I see glimpses of the kingdom of God. Supernatural healing, it can be spiritual, mental, emotional, probably something else I'm, I'm, I'm leaving out. And it can be physical. But don't discredit God when it looks different. As the author of Hebrews says this, Hebrews 6, 4 and 5 says, It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened. Pause. If you say, I follow Christ, that's you. You've been enlightened. That's, that's the language right here. If you've been enlightened with Christ, you have tasted the heavenly gift. You share in the Holy Spirit. You've tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, meaning those who follow Jesus will taste the goodness of God and the powers of the coming age that is to come, new heaven, new earth, that they are real when, where, now. Even if they are not fully expressed until the future, there is a taste, there is a glimpse of heaven here and now, and to follow what I believe is the totality of Christ is to believe even when we struggle with unbelief. And so uh, I, was, I was 21, 22 years old. No, I, I think I was, I was older than that. We, we were married. Um, and uh, back in the day when I was a youth pastor, we had youth group on, on Wednesday nights. And uh, I had gone to school with a friend of mine. Her name uh, was Jerrica. And Jerrica, growing up, had, uh, she suffered with cystic fibrosis. And so, uh, if you don't know, my oldest brother actually has that. And praise God, he is, he's old. He's almost pushing 40 now. Uh, but praise God. And I mean that, praise God. Um, that, that doesn't happen. Um, but my sister called me. And let me know uh, that Jerrica had taken a turn for the worse. She had been in the hospital for some time. And we were down in Richmond, Kentucky at the, at the time. And, and she was up in Lexington. And I was like prepping for youth group. Because like any good youth pastor, you wait till the day of to really cram everything in. And, and so I had like this whole day of work ahead of me. And it was like 11 a.m. But I was like, I, I need to go. And I was kind of feeling out this whole idea of supernatural healing. And I was like, the whole drive there. I felt foolish. I felt silly and emboldened. Anyone else a walking contradiction at times? 
I was, I was walking in with this like cognitive dissonance, like, I mean, come on, really healing? And I was like, oh, but help my unbelief. Like I, I do, I, I feel compelled to go pray. And, and the last time I had seen Jerrica, talked to Jerrica, she was upright, she was talking. And I walked in and I just didn't recognize her. And, and it was just a very, very um, sad room. And I just walked in and, and I don't know if she could hear me or not. And, and I held her hand. Um, and I remember praying, and I said, yeah, I, I didn't know really what to pray, but I knew I, I wanted to pray for healing for her in a very real way, not a cliche. What, what I felt at the time was a cliche, oh, peace and, and this as you go, but I was like, God, raise this woman up. I, I pray supernatural, physical healing over Jerica right now. And I didn't make a big show of it. You know, people were in there and I was just, I was trying to do it, you know, quietly to myself, wasn't trying to be anything. I was just praying because I was wanting to believe so bad with every fiber of my being that this was real. And I wanted it to happen so badly for her. I think she was like 18 years old. And, and, and I'm just holding her hand and I'm praying and, and, I, and I believe Kelsey was with me I, and my sister was with me. And we're all just crying. And I just wanted desperately for God to heal her. And I just kept thinking, like, what a powerful testament this would be. She's hooked up to all these machines. How amazing would it be if she got up? How incredible would that be? And so I spent some time just praying with her. And then we had to get back. And, and about, uh, I think, 30 minutes before youth group started that night, my sister texts me. And she says, Jerrica passed away. And I just didn't, I didn't know what to do with that. Because I felt like, I read it, I see that it didn't go away. This was a continuation, a ministry to, to be embraced and to pray for. And so I was, I was simply distraught, and it took some time. But I stand here today uh, really encouraged, ironically, because I prayed, God, heal this woman. And he absolutely did. He freed her of a world of pain and suffering and doubt and, and unbelief and turmoil and all these hardships. He healed her, but not in a way that I saw coming. Not in a way that I, I was really praying for, if you will. So I say all that because I can't anticipate what God is doing next, okay? But I know he desires to know you. I know he desires for you to take a step with him. I know he desires to forgive and free you now, today, and in this moment. And it won't always look exactly like you thought it should or would. And so I didn't want to spend today making this broad theological case of supernatural healing and sharing the verses that would support it. But I just want you to reflect on, 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 on some questions. And it's simple. What if I'm missing out on something more? What if God wants us to experience him in a way I'm closed off to right now? 
in a way that makes me uncomfortable? What if supernatural healing could happen in my life or the life of those that I love if I simply began practicing this in my prayer life? I don't have that obvious answer for you as I stand. But maybe you are here today and you are the one that is skeptical. We are not trying to manipulate or, or traumatize you or anything like that, I assure. But what if you took a supernatural step today and asked someone to pray for you? Or you began fasting and asking, God, is this real? God, are you real? Is this thing something I need to be open to? Because maybe it's time that our questions of the supernatural came with an honest pursuit of it before we make up our minds. Or maybe you are here today and you're an admirer. And even today, the, the couple stories I just shared, like, oh, th those, are, those are really like beautiful but painful stories and, and God is good. Okay, go further, people. Don't just admire these things. Because I, I, I totally get it. My faith gets increased when I hear, you know, great testaments and, and testimonies of, of, of powerful things. But, you know, Jesus, he didn't call us to just admire him. He, he said, I'm the son of God. We are to be imitators of Christ. Practicing, pursuing, and imitating the way of Jesus. And I think it's time that we take that risk today. And so I'll close with this. Uh, Jesus says this in Matthew 7, uh, 7 and 8. Jesus says this to, to, to us today. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. To those who are skeptical, ask Ask your question that you are somehow holding back. Ask your question because God is big enough to handle whatever you can throw at him. Ask, and as Jesus says, it will be given to you. But you have to be willing to ask that question. For the admirer today, could I compel you to seek? Could I, just, could I just plead with you to, to seek more, to seek the kingdom of God, to practice the way of Christ? Because you will find it. And to the imitators today, keep knocking. Keep knocking. Keep pursuing. Keep praying. Because in due time, it will be opened to you. Church, would you please stand as... We're about to read our closing prayer that we have been using at the end of, of this series. And it's just a prayer. It's, it's, it's not this thing that ties you to, to anything or anything like that. Just the hope is that it just simply opens us up to the things of God, to the way of Christ. Uh, worship team, you all can, can go ahead and come on up. And the prayer is, is simple, and you should see it on the screen. Uh, Lord, Expand what I think is possible. Make me more aware of your Spirit's leading. Help me see divine opportunities in the ordinary. And may I give you all the glory, no matter the outcome. Come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Our call 
It's to be more than just, oh, I like Jesus, but I don't really do anything else. Or a call is more like, hey, I love Jesus. He was a great teacher. He, he did some great things. But our call is to be a follower of what early Christians said, the way. Followers of the way, participants of the way, doers of the way, imitators of the way. And so I believe God is wanting to meet us in this space right now. Now, it is the last Sunday of the month. And if you are new here, uh, you're unfamiliar. The last Sunday of the month, we practice uh, communion. And so here at Rock Vineyard, we do it just a little differently. Uh, one, again, it is the last Sunday of every month, but we give you some larger portions as well because we, we desire to sit with this just a little longer. You know, growing up, we had some little pieces here and there, and it was, it was kind of done and over with. But we want to sit and remember. Remember the sacrifice that Christ made for you. And so uh, the night he was betrayed, what we call the Last Supper, he held with his disciples. And so we remember his sacrifice as, as he shared in drink. And he said, take this cup as it's my blood poured out for you. And we remember that. And then as, as they broke bread, we have bread today to remember his broken body for us. And so uh, on the left, uh, we have a regular bread. And then on your right, you will see a gluten-free option if that would serve you well. Um, but we want all who say, I follow Jesus to participate. And to participate in this is to remember. Remember his incredible sacrifice and his great love for you. That while, while you were still a sinner, while Kevin was still a sinner, he died for you, he died for me. And so as the band plays our next song, you are free to move and, and come forward. I'll pray for us, and then you can move. Uh, Heavenly Father, I just pray, yes, that we'd be believers, Sure, we'd be admirers, but we'd be imitators. We'd be doers of your word. We'd be practicers. So, Father, just meet us here and speak to us. Um, for those who are conflicted this morning, I pray your spirit would just free them. Would just wrap them in your mercy and your grace. For those of us who may just be admirers or, or fans, I pray we would take a purposeful step today. No matter where we're at, that we would know you love us and we would remember that today as we take communion. We thank you so much in Jesus' name.